You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. What is marriage? Man and woman, a defense. By Sharif Gerges, Ryan T. Anderson, Robert P. George. Until yesterday, no society had seen marriage as anything other than a conjugal partnership, a male-female union. What is marriage identifies and defends the reasons for this historic consensus and shows why redefining civil marriage is unnecessary, unreasonable, and contrary to the common good. Originally published in the Harvard Journal of Law and Public Policy, this book's core argument quickly became the year's most widely read essay on the most prominent scholarly network, in the social sciences. Since then, it has been cited and debated by scholars and activists throughout the world as the most formidable defense of the tradition ever written. Now revamped, expanded, and vastly enhanced, What is Marriage stands poised to meet its moment as few books of this generation have. Rhodes Scholar Sharif Gerges, Heritage Foundation Fellow Ryan T. Anderson, and Princeton Professor Robert P. George offer a devastating critique of the idea that equality requires redefining marriage. They show why both sides must first answer the question of what marriage really is. They defend the principle that marriage as a comprehensive union of mind and body ordered to family life unites a man and a woman as husband and wife, and they document the social value of applying this principle in law. Most compellingly, they show that those who embrace same-sex civil marriage leave no firm ground, none for not recognizing every relationship describable in polite English, including polyamorous sexual unions, and that enshrining their view would further erode the norms of marriage and hence the common good. Finally, what is marriage decisively answers common objections, that the historic view is rooted in bigotry, like laws forbidding interracial marriage, that it is callous to people's needs, that it can't show the harm of recognizing same-sex couplings or the point of recognizing infertile ones, and that it treats a mere social construct as if it were natural, or an unreasoned religious view as if it were rational. If the marriage debate in America is decided soon, it will be with this book's help or despite its powerful arguments. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet, of course, coming to you from Greeley, Colorado. It is episode 120 of season three that you are listening to now. Also, you are listening to, simultaneously, at the same time, episode 185 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show podcast. Today is Saturday. It is a Saturday morning. More specifically, it is Saturday, August 7th, 2021. And I have just read for you the summary on the Amazon listing for this 2012 book, What is Marriage? Man and Woman, a Defense. I just finished this book yesterday on my commute to and from work. And I, to be honest with you, didn't love it. I didn't love it. It was more clinical than I think was helpful. It was more stiff and philosophical and unemotional than I would have preferred speaking for myself. I think that the issue, the question 
needs to have our heart and soul as well as our mind brought to bear on it. And I didn't feel that Gerges, Anderson, and George brought heart and soul into this. They talked about heart and soul a little bit, but they talked about it from a almost purely intellectual academic way. What is marriage? They go through what it is and what it isn't, and the confusion of saying that marriage can be a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, just like marriage has historically been defined as a man and a woman. In the United States of America, once upon a time, as in eight years ago, nine years ago, this was still being debated. Once upon a time, we were grappling with this question of what marriage is and what marriage is not. And it's odd to read this book from 2012 and remember a time when this was still up for debate. Where did all those debates go concerning what marriage is and is not? All of those debates have seemingly gone out the window because the issue has been decided by the Supreme Court, by talking heads on TV, by pop culture, by Democrat politicians. They have defined our terms. They have set the stage. Anyone who disagrees or says otherwise, contradicting what they have established, is anathema, is out of the fold, is a bigot, is hateful, is ignorant, is on the wrong side of history. It's interesting to think, though, a hundred years in the future, how will this book, and more importantly, this time in our lives, in the life of our nation, in the life of our churches, in the life of Western civilization, how will this time be thought of? Will it be thought of as the first of many revolutions concerning identity, concerning what we call things, concerning what institutions we preserve and which we tear down? Or will this be thought of as a kind of temporary madness which seized the public imagination and shook it like a rag doll? Disoriented, confused, dazed, driven by fear of being canceled, of having our careers destroyed, having our livelihoods destroyed, having our social lives destroyed, I would argue that the moment has passed, but what has replaced that moment in which Gerges, Anderson, and George wrote this book is a moment in which anyone who still has two brain cells to rub together on these questions is afraid, and fear is the mind killer, as Frank Herbert writes in his famous science fiction series, Dune. Fear is the mind killer, and even if you do have two brain cells to rub together about this, do you dare rub those brain cells together in anything approaching coherence? Do you dare think out loud about these things still? I watched 
a series of back and forth discussions between Doug Wilson, pastor in Moscow, Idaho, polemicist, and John Piper, pastor in St. Paul, Minnesota, in which the most recent one I just finished this morning is from 2013, a Desiring God conference. And they talk about racism to start with, because something Doug Wilson had co-written years and years before had been drudged up and had ignited controversy because it was seen as downplaying how evil or how bad slavery in the American South was before the Civil War. And more, Wilson had argued his point, his case, that he didn't believe that the Civil War was necessary or that it was good. He didn't believe that it was good that the slavery question, the slavery issue, was resolved through civil war, that the benefits would have been reaped in a less destructive way had time been given for evangelistic outreach to have its full effect. So Wilson co-writes this book with another gentleman, and the wider public gets a hold of it in early 2013. And next thing you know, Wilson is on the chopping block. He's being asked very pointed questions, and he's being derided as a racist, as an apologist for the Confederacy, as a neo-Confederate. Now He says very clearly, very emphatically, I am not a neo-Confederate. I do not believe that slavery as it was practiced in the South was good. I do believe that the Civil War was a wrong-headed way to go about resolving the issue, the problem. The transatlantic slave trade was bad. It was evil. It was wicked. But none of that matters. You can't have a constructive, honest, meaningful conversation with most folks about those things these days because to do so invites as bad or worse condemnations as Wilson received eight years ago in 2013. So Wilson is there, and John Piper, for his part, had taken a lot of flack for inviting, daring to invite Wilson to this Desiring God conference. So Piper and Wilson and the president of Bethlehem College, Joe Rigney, I believe is his name, the three of them and an additional cohort of gentlemen from, I believe, I presume, it's not explicitly stated in that video I watched, but I presume from Piper's church and college, met with five African-American pastors, gentlemen, Christians, to talk about their frustration, their concern, their offendedness that Wilson was being invited to come to this Desiring God conference, despite the controversy regarding his earlier book. And Wilson, for his part, he starts out the back and forth discussion at the Desiring God conference in 2013 
looking very nervous and looking very tired and looking very raked over the coals, trying to explain his position in a way that allows him to maintain integrity, not wanting to repent of, recant anything, which he ought not to, which he still believes, which he believes he should believe, while at the same time being humble and trying to make peace if he has erred, if he has given offense, not only unnecessarily, but wrongfully. And so they talk about that, and then they get into talking about this whole marriage equality, what is marriage discussion. And what's so interesting to me is they're somewhat at the cusp of the marriage being redefined thing. And so they're still talking about, okay, what are we going to do as we're going into this choppy waters situation in this country? How are we going to talk about these things in a way that is biblically faithful, that is faithful to God, that is effective? How are, how are we going to preach on these things, teach on these things, talk about these things in a way that is correct, uh, that is clear, but also sufficiently gracious and loving? And it's interesting to me to watch that back and forth, having just read, having just finished, What is Marriage, Man and Woman, A Defense, published December 11, 2012. I feel as though I jumped in a time machine and I went back and I had forgotten that there was a time when these things were still being debated publicly. I forgot, as the authors of What is Marriage point out, that when Barack Obama first ran for president of the United States, he stated publicly that he believed in the traditional view of marriage as one man and one woman. Hillary Clinton also had said publicly on record, I believe that marriage is one man and one woman. Then Obama evolves. His position evolves. In other words, he does the exact opposite of what he had said publicly. I don't know how many of you know this, but sometimes politicians lie to get elected. Helpful pro tip, word to the wise, sometimes politicians lie. And in this case, I don't believe that Obama actually evolved. I think he said what he needed to say in order to get elected so that once he was in office, he could do what he intended to do all along, and that is redefine marriage. But not really redefine marriage, attack traditional marriage. That's one interesting thing, and I can't just criticize. I have to affirm this book, What is Marriage? A Defense, because... That's one of the things they do make very clear is that marriage defined as a man and a woman should continue to be defined as a man and a woman. And if you open it up to other types of deep, intimate, very close, exclusive relationships, which more on that in a minute, oftentimes statistically homosexual unions, homosexual relationships are not exclusive, 
very often they are open relationships. So then what exactly is the point of having the marriage moniker attached to those relationships? But if we redefine marriage, this term, to mean this other thing also, then what stops us from redefining it to this and 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 to this? Now, critics of the defense of marriage being a man and a woman, the traditional view of marriage, critics of the defenders of traditional marriage, often, I remember now, pointed out years ago, that heterosexual couples, even professedly Christian heterosexual couples, had already redefined marriage in America with serial monogamy, with no-fault divorce, with divorce rates. Over 50% of American marriages ending in divorce at a certain point was pointed to as having already destroyed the traditional view of marriage in this country. Now, I find that to be a rather disingenuous counterargument. It sounds too much like a sophisticated, grown-up version of, I know you are, but what am I? It's already been destroyed, so why not spit on it, stomp on it, grind it into the dust a little bit more? You guys already burned it down. The problem being, there are always elements in society which are tearing down what is good and what is true and what is right. So what's being debated is not whether that's correct, that so many people have done that, rather than us trying to debate how do we fix 50% divorce rates? How do we fix a broken attitude in our legal system, in our justice system? How do we fix that? The marriage equality, so-called, camp said, it's over, it's done. Now we want our time. We want our day in the sun. We want our recognition that we are every bit as decent, respectable, healthy, sane, good as heterosexual couples which stay faithful to one another, stay committed to one another lifelong. We want equal recognition. You will repeat after me, love is love. And what is the consequence of that? Now, Doug Wilson actually makes a really excellent point in this back and forth from 2013, wherein he refers to this book by a Greg Beale titled, We Become What We Worship. The main argument of this book, which I would like to read now that I've heard of it, the main argument is what people revere they resemble either for ruin or for restoration. And he points to, Greg Beale does, and Doug Wilson points to, what we read in the scripture. Consider Psalm 115, verses 2 through 8. Why should the nation say, where then is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. 
They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. Greg Beale makes this argument, according to Wilson, that we become like what we worship. So then if we worship Almighty God, we become more like God. When he is the center of our worship and the center of our attention and our affections, we become more like him. But in our society, what is it that we worship? We don't worship necessarily these carved statues anymore. We have an origin story for the universe and for biological life in Darwinism taught in our public schools for decades, which states that the Big Bang is how the universe came to be. As Wilson puts it, you have a little bit of hydrogen with a whole lot of potential. It explodes and from it come all of the things, sea lions, Princess Diana, coffee tables, everything. And so the moral of the story is we believe that anything can become anything else. Just give it enough time. It has the potential. Anything can become anything else. Not that God created and made them male and female. No, no, no. A man can become a woman. A woman can become a man. Marriage can become two men or two women. It doesn't have to be a man and a woman. We become like what we worship. We become what we worship. So, lo and behold, the worst thing you can possibly do to a person who is confused about their identity and they have this conviction, this deep and abiding conviction, deeply rooted at the core of their being, that they can become anything they put their mind to. You start criticizing that and you start saying, hey, no, you are objectively not this thing. You are not this person. You are not Caitlyn Jenner. You are Bruce Jenner, all dressed up in drag. You start saying that and the knives come out because you have just attacked their object of worship. You have attacked a core tenet of their worldview, of their religion. You are blaspheming their God. And just like blasphemers have been dispensed with in every society throughout history, these folks want to destroy you because that's the only way to atone for your sin. You cannot coexist with them. You have to be destroyed. You have to be silenced. You have to be driven out of the marketplace, driven from the temple, thrown in jail, muzzled, fined. And ultimately, where it's headed is put to death because it will be seen that there is no stopping reality and those who insist on reality being the basis for our communication, what used to be called honesty, they will be such a danger to the emotional stability of the status quo, the powers that be who've invested themselves fully. They've gone all in for this. You not only are disagreeing with an idea, a proposition, you are setting your face against the powers that be. And again, historically, 
from time immemorial what happens when you oppose the powers that be and they feel threatened and they have no scruples. They destroy you if they can. If, except by God's grace, you fall into their hands, they destroy you utterly, completely, totally. What is marriage? Well, the question really is, what is anything? The deeper question to this book and to this topic is, what is reality? Where do we come from? Who created us? What created us? Did we arise by chance? If hydrogen can turn into the whole universe with some spontaneous combustion, then why can't I turn into anything I please? If it's all survival of the fittest and they are feeling their oats, why can't they just make war like one troop of chimpanzees on another and tear us limb from limb? Jump from treetop to treetop, swinging our detached arm like a club. What's the difference? The defenders of traditional marriage, the opponents of marriage equality, so-called, saw that coming nine years ago, ten years ago. And they were shouted down. They were scoffed at. They were ridiculed. They were told that's absurd. But they were told that was absurd by people who couldn't think ahead about the implications of what was being reasoned. Lo and behold, there's serious, genuine talk of adding the word pedophile to the alphabet soup that is the LGBTQ+. Before the whole alphabet is in there, representing anything and everything, you might as well just say, do whatever you want. The law of the jungle. That's what this movement is about. Do what you will and call it love. As the famous Satanist Aleister Crowley once said, do what you will and call it love. Or, and I quote, there is no grace, there is no guilt. This is the law. Do what thou wilt. That is Satanism. There is no grace, there is no guilt. This is the law. Do what thou wilt. Do whatever you want. What is marriage? Not that. That is not marriage. But what you have is you have people who subscribe to this demonic, satanic worldview who want grace, kind of. And so they see marriage equality and everything that comes after it as a form of showing grace to people. Hey, man, what's the big deal? It's not hurting you. Mind your own business. Love is love. We have to affirm these people in their delusions, in their confusions, in their folly, in their sin. Hey, man, I'm going to be gracious and affirm this. Maybe you won't, but I will. There is no guilt. Well, they feel guilty because they should feel guilty when they're transgressing God's law, the natural law, the laws of the universe. When they set their face against God, they should feel guilty. But they don't want to feel guilty. And so this is how you do it. You break down the things which draw attention to your sin and folly. 
tear down the Ten Commandments, abolish prayer and Bible reading in school, teach evolution by natural selection as the origin story for humanity and the universe. When a little girl shows up under these mask mandates and this COVID nonsense, when she shows up to school wearing a mask that says Jesus loves you, make her take it off and throw it away. That makes me feel guilty. I don't like that. I don't feel free to just do anything I please, anything that pops into my head when I see these things. Get them out of my sight. Destroy them. Tear them down. Burn them. Call evil good and good evil. All in the name of liberation. We've got to be liberated. Liberated from what? Life? The life giver? Those who hate me love death, God says. Here's the long of it and the short of it and the sum total of it. What is marriage? Marriage is an embracing of God's design for life. That isn't to say someone who is single by God's design isn't embracing life, but it is to say that God saw that it was not good for the man to be alone. He made a helpmeet suitable for him, and he gave them a mandate. We know it popularly as the dominion mandate. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. According to Sharif Gurgis, Ryan T. Anderson, and Robert P. George, the reproductive act is unique to the institution of marriage. It isn't to say you can't do the conjugal thing outside of marriage, but it is to say that we don't just call it marriage anytime two people conjugate in any combination. And yet, what is it that the folks who campaigned for marriage equality were really trying to do? They were trying to destroy the specialness of a man and his wife conjugating this life-giving act that brings children into the world. It doesn't only bring children into the world. It is okay for that conjugal act to happen apart from, because sometimes it does happen apart from, Abraham and Sarah are in their old age before they have their first son, Isaac. But I can guarantee they were practicing, and that's fine, and that's good. The mother of Samuel was barren, and she prayed and asked God to give her a child. And God gives her Samuel, and the bargain struck was that she was going to dedicate this son to the service of God. And so once he was weaned, she sent him to the temple, sent him to the priest Eli to help to be dedicated to God. But that life-giving act is despicable and loathed and hated by those who hate God, because those who hate God love death. Why would you bring more people into this world? They ask those kinds of questions because when it really comes right down to it, they hate life. They love death because they're at war with God. 
They hate God. They love themselves. They exalt themselves. But they don't particularly love that the world is full of people who are made in God's image. As Christians, we have to have a understanding of the sociological facts on some level, I think. So one of the interesting, important things that Gerges Anderson and George argue in What is Marriage is that children who grow up with their biological mother and their biological father happily married, committed to one another for life, those children grow up more well-adjusted. They perform better academically. Once they start their working life, they are more successful in their careers. They stay out of jail and prison. They stay out of crime. They avoid substance abuse. They avoid having psychological problems to a greater extent. They have happier, healthier relationships themselves because they've seen their parents model these things day in and day out, through thick and thin, joy and sorrow, for richer or poorer, till death do them part. That has staying power in a way that no other combination of variables does, statistically. Statistically. Argue with the statistics if you don't like it. The facts don't care about your feelings sometimes is the kindest thing we could possibly say. I don't feel like I like that. Well, I feel like the truth is more important than how you're feeling right now. Children who grow up with an intact family, a mother and a father, their mother and father, not just any old pair of people will do. This girl has two mommies. That boy has two daddies. No, statistically, that does not work. This woman divorced her husband and married somebody else. And now mommy and stepdad raised the children. What's the difference? Well, there's a very big difference statistically. And we know this intuitively from people we've known who were in those situations, who grew up with a stepfather instead of their real father. We know that that wounds and it damages them by their own admission. Not to mock them, not to heap scorn on them, but we know statistically and anecdotally that that hurts people, that hurts children, who in turn then become adults who are wounded. It handicaps us. My parents get divorced when I'm in junior high. It was supremely unhelpful. It was. It was extremely unhelpful for my mom to get remarried several years later to some guy from Egypt who was not enough older than me and too much younger than her. That was hurtful. And then that marriage doesn't work out. They get a divorce as well. Several years down the road, she's marrying yet another young man, even younger still, from Egypt. It hurt my brother and I that our parents were at war with each other and that they did not figure out how to make peace. That hurt us. That hurt us at important stages in our development. For me, I was in junior high. In junior high, I should be figuring things out and putting them together, not watching my family 
tear itself apart watching my parents tear one another and themselves apart. By the time I reach full legal adulthood, I should be able to go to my parents and see that they love one another and they have figured it out and they are modeling for me a well-adjusted approach to life, which I can emulate where I need to and also innovate on where I please. And yet, how many of these children who make up society, if you just give them enough time, they become the adults who make up society, how many of these children being raised in homes where marriage was not on God's terms, how many of them now say, what's the difference? Marriage equality, love is love. At least these two people love each other, unlike my parents who didn't stay together, and I'm bitter about that. How much better would it be for us to say, let God be true and every man a liar? God says it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helpmeet suitable for him. When God says that Eve is a suitable helpmeet for Adam, how about we believe God, we trust God? You have trust issues because people have let you down? Join the club. We've got t-shirts. But you don't fix that by trusting yourself, by letting your heart be your guide, by being led around by your emotions. You don't fix those trust issues that way. Let God be true and every man a liar. What is marriage? Marriage is God's beautiful vision for how the dominion mandate gets fulfilled. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. We've forgotten that. We need to remember that. And whatever a satanic trend in broader society wants to do to us or say to us to shut us up and shut us down and squash that because they love darkness, because their deeds are dark, that's where life is. That's where life is lived and found by God's grace. I'm going to leave it there. Check out the book, if you will. wasn't my favorite, but... If you're trying to understand marriage and uh, a secular argument, philosophical argument, a historical argument, without having to make appeals to God's authority, you can check this out. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.